Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, back for the first time since having been married, is Josh Cacho. Josh, welcome back to the show. I mean, this this game was definitely a lot better of a wedding present than the last one, um, but you know, I'll take it. You know, it's it's a good it's good to be back. It's good to get a win. Um, you know, just to talk some football and, and especially on a good note. Yeah, um, we haven't had a whole lot of these shows where it's where we're able to come in and have a bunch of positive takeaways. Um, LAFC get a one nil win against RSL, and it's one of those performances where it took a long time to get a goal. Came close with the Carlos Vela uh, free kick early on, but uh, didn't score until the 69th minute, and then had to close it out. And definitely uh, used a bit of gamesmanship to get there. So. Uh, some of it was kind of frustrating to watch. I think some of our guys were going down a little bit too much. Um, but in the end, it was it was good to see them kind of. No, no, no. We're not. We're not going to play this out. We're just gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna game this one all the way till the final whistle, and they ground it out. So a good win. Good win. Yeah. Sometimes you need those ones. Obviously, like would it be would it, we have been happier if we blew them out five nothing or whatever it may be? Sure. You know, or whatever DC United did to uh, Toronto Seven today. To one man. Yeah, how man. many more I mean, games does Chris Armis have? He's got to be fired. Yeah, I, I, here's the thing. I mean, the weird thing with that. I mean, this is super off topic, but the weird thing with Toronto is that they're they haven't been home in what since the season started, right? Because Canada's I mean, still locked down. It, but come on, man. Yeah. So I mean, you're the Canadian teams are put in a bad situation, but you know, I mean, Vancouver's doing fine. Yeah. So, yeah, you and Toronto has more talent than Vancouver does for sure. But to get back on topic, um, no, I mean I think this is one of those games where you know the first half just was ugly. Was wasn't you know it was I would say not necessarily a bit of a letdown, but at the same time I think with 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 supporters at a fever pitch expecting results and all these different things. I won't lie, them just killing things, just killing it off in the first half may have been exactly what it was needed to just kind of settle the nerves, right? Because especially against this, you know, RSL team, it's, they've always been difficult to play through the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a team that like, you know, they play in a 4-2-3-1, but it's essentially a 4-5-1 with them sinking into a back six, right? And then they're going to try and release, um, What's his name? Crylock and Rusnak up that left hand side, you know, and then occasionally they have a, a speedster opposite of Rusnak, but their buildup is going to mainly occur between those two guys off the left, right? And really, they just want to, you know, soak in pressure and then beat you on the counter. Which, again, LAFC has had struggled against them at times, just because, especially at RSLs, because you know they're extremely comfortable playing in that defensive style and then opening you up on the counter. Um, and I think, even though I think we won the last time there, they beat us pretty badly at one point, right? I think last so. year I, I think, think we split the series. A multiple goal loss there. That must have been two years ago, but that doesn't make sense. I, I think know. it I was last year. But anyways, um, yeah. When you kind of break it down and look at it, obviously there's not there's not too much to be happy about. There wasn't too much to be sad about either. Right in that first half, which again I'm okay with if the yeah. result stays relatively neutral. Um, you know, like I said, I think there's certain things that we're we were kind of looking at to see um, 
if they would change for after that last game. And I think we saw some of those things. Um, you know, I think to me, I think the way, you know, they, obviously with Mac back in the starting lineup after the last one, they it, they looked to be a little bit more defensive to start off. Right, you didn't see the high flying counter press; they're more sinking into like a like a four four two mid block and just so kind of I, absorbing. I saw things. it as like a flat, so like a four three three with like a flat midfield. Um, mm. I mean, several several times they would sit back in essentially just yeah four three three mid block and a flat midfield when the press was off. Yeah, which, you know, I, I I tweeted about this before the game. If if you're gonna play this midfield, right, with the those particular fullbacks, I I almost want them to play more defensive, right? Like let Atuesta pick passes from yeah, let Atuesta pick passes from deep. But you know, I feel like at that point, Kay and and Blessing's role is really just to to start in tight, break it up if it's there, and then get out wide to cover as the fullbacks split out. You know, push mm-hmm. up the field. Um, I feel like they didn't really push Moon up as much as I thought they would in the first half, right? Like you didn't really see him, you know, getting up that side until, you know, the second half really. Um, first half, it felt like they were a little bit more reserved. Farfan was getting up there a little bit more often, but that just may be because of where they were, you know, RSL was leaving themselves exposed. I mean, I with Rusnak and Krylock operating off that left, you know, you're going to have to be careful about how, how often and how high you're going to push Moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, about Moon specifically, I, I do feel like they had him pick his spots um, a little bit more carefully, and obviously it's going to look different than when they're in a 3-5-2 and he's essentially playing as a midfielder. Um, and I thought he looked good in all phases of the game again. Uh, I think that was the major question most of us had coming in was, how was he going to look at right back? Because when they went down a man and he was playing in a traditional right back role, it, you know, marking was a little bit off and he was out of position a couple of times. Um, but I thought, I thought he did really well. You saw him, you know, you saw him tracking back, covering runners on set pieces. Um, I think there was one time when Krylak kind of beat him and he, and he goes to ground. Uh, but I, I thought he had a great game. One of the things that I really like about him and something that he does different from Blackman specifically is if he gets the ball in possession and he's kind of up further on the wing or, you know, midfield or higher, uh, he's going to stay on the ball and he's going to beat somebody before he releases a pass. So I kind of like that he will, he's super comfortable in fighting more and more pressure before then playing the ball away. I think Blackman's a little bit more prone to, um, playing it safe if that if that initial pass is there. I mean, again, Blackman will hit good balls to the feet of the of the forwards all the time. But Moon is just so comfortable on the ball and he's skilled enough to to beat a couple guys and then release that pass afterward. Um so I really like that. Yeah, well I mean I think with that in mind, right? I think when when you when we talk about what LFC struggle with against you know, when trying to unlock some of these defenses, right? It's always been that ability to create that lateral stress, right? Yeah. To widen the field and cre- and create lanes and space for for the forwards. Right? Everything feels compact. Everything feels a bit narrow, right? And what Moon does, which is something that we I've been critical of, actually, more of the goalkeepers for doing, right? Um, specifically, Cisniega because of his, you know, just 
lack of confidence playing the, the ball at, the, at his feet. But mm-hmm. what Moon will do, right, and same probably the same thing goes for Blackman, right? Is like they don't they're they're not going to invite that pressure, right? They don't want to get into these one on one duels where they have to beat a guy down the line. But what that does is if if you if he's able to beat you down the line in that one on one. Now you're pulling a fullback. Now you're pulling some space in, yeah. in that width. And now that opens up lanes for Villa to operate. The goal in the second half is a perfect example of that, where, where he starts charging up that side, right? And then, he, you know, Vela hits the, was it the, it was to Moon, right? Behind? No, that was Segura on the goal. Yeah. Oh, Segura, Segura was the one who was playing up there. I, I, I tried to go back and watch, uh, again, I, I'm when when ESPN post the game for a rewatch. I'm going to go back because it's Segura on the right side, making this bombing run into the box and cutting a pass back for Sifu. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know what he was doing up there. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I mean, but even then, right? Like it's that run down the side that unlocks that width, right? right and I think right. that's that width more than anything is the thing that we've been lacking a little bit because everything feels like, you know, again, and that's where, complaints come of like all right why you know they're trying to play these intricate passes that don't often make it through but again when you're playing to play against a back you know a back six or back five it's gonna hang you know it's tight the spaces are tight you have to be picture perfect and they just haven't been that sharp you know yeah. like yeah. you know there's a, there's a couple of years ago right you see k thread a pass through there now every time he tries to do it it gets intercepted right and so this year i think getting some of that width from the fullbacks which i think was what we've been hoping Palacios would do a little bit more of early on and what he did in CCL, but definitely not so much now, you know, again, you, you just miss, I, that was something that's been sorely missed and to see it now kind of come off, right. Definitely gives another dimension to how the attack, right. So I think you have the midfield flatten out a little bit, right. Until, until that ball gets put out wide and because of the width of where Vela was, right, you have those the eights being able to crash in and uh, into into open space in in the channel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Moon. I thought I thought that looked totally fine. I think that the four three three is something that they can go with with Moon. Um, I'm I'm not sold on Farfan there. I thought he had a he had a rougher outing. Um, and I think that's part of the reason you see him go down so many times. He's getting beat or, you know, kind of manhandled off the ball by Aaron Herrera or Bobby Wood or Demir Krylak um, and and going down and kind of making a meal of a lot of those plays. Um, I still like what he brings in the attack. And like you said, I think, I think in the attack he's looked better than Diego Palacios. But I think him being that far back – and having to defend, I don't know. I don't know what it what it is, but he does not seem as comfortable as he does in in the three five two. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's probably just knowing what you. I mean, again, I think when you're in the four three three, right there, there really is generally not going to be much behind you, right? Um, but in 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 most of the time in this game, right, I think you really saw K flatten out and take up that spacing behind. Right, you really didn't see. You remember you? I mean, you were talking about how K was almost operating as a six. So he but it was did. almost like a, in the second half, he was the six. There's no, there's no, you know, he rotated on the fly. He was the six in the second half. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, that's probably for because they're, they're trying to get more, more, um, more offensive production from Atuesta up higher yeah, again. I think that's right? what we it saw is. them and do I that think That's why you year. see the midfield pressure kind of fall off too, because that's again, that's not Atuesta's game, but. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you look at how how that kind of breaks down, if you're going to get a little bit more from, you know, defensive, you know, defensive defense from the midfield with Latif and K flattening onto those spaces, again, you know, maybe we don't really care about what Farfan does on average yeah. defensively. Yeah. Right. right. Just as long as you do have at least one of the free runners, that being Sifu, you know, either Sifu or Blessing, depending on where people yeah. are and, you know, what the rotation's like, crashing when the ball gets down to the touchline. I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Farfan, because, um, you know, I've I've been hard on him. When he plays right, He's he looked better tonight than he did when whenever he was playing right back, um, which, again, is unfair to him because he's left-footed, he's on the right side, he's a left back. Right. Um, and I think, I think part of the reason I keyed in on that was because moon looks so comfortable. And the question that I had coming in is these two guys that have looked so good at wing back, we finally get to see them playing in a four man back line and moon excelled and Farfan kind of struggled more. So I think, I think that contrast just kind of made me key on key in on a little bit more, but I mean, I, th- I think he's somebody that you definitely can use. And I don't know, I, I assume Palacios isn't going to lose the job to him, um, at least not in the four-man back line. But we'll see what happens next week, I guess. Although... Yeah, uh, I mean, no, it's a, Wednesday, it's a midweek game against Austin yeah, on Wednesday. Yeah, so. I guess, and Ecuador lost to Argentina, but I doubt he'll be coming back and starting right yeah, away. Yeah, so my guess on short rest, you'll probably see the exact same lineup kind of run out there to start the game. And then yeah. at some point, you'll probably see you know, some of those guys get in, you know, but I guess technically also B-Rod's back too. So who knows what's going to happen at this point? Yeah. You know what? Let's, let's, I do want to talk about that. Let's put a pin in that and remind me to come back to that because I think, uh, I think we need to lay out the way forward to make him mm-hmm. successful. And one of the potential pitfalls that LAFC is already laying for him again, uh, if he does come back. So, all right. Um, I guess I guess let's get into um, the second half here and into the goal. We kind of talked about how it happened, but you have you know we worked the ball forward. Atuesta, the whole midfield's pushed up. Uh, Atuesta feeds Carlos, as we've seen so many times. Carlos is a back heel for Segura, and again, I don't know, I don't know where that run came from, uh, but I liked it. And then he cuts a ball back for Sifu at the spot, perfectly timed run, one touch finish, boom, goal. Um, and this was just a few minutes after he'd come on. Sifu continues to look more and more uh, comfortable as that eight who gets, who, who arrives late into the box or is creating shots or is taking the shots himself. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago when we had our uh, episode with Vince and I, and we kind of bounced the Ross Barkley idea off of him, he had brought up, you know, this is the guy that I see as the Ross Barkley type on the, on the team. And all of a sudden here he comes doing some of that stuff. Whereas before his shots weren't landing and his, his passes weren't landing. I mean, he started a bunch of the games at the beginning when we were talking about like, man, this midfield just has no creative quality. And here comes Sifu in the last couple of games providing just that. So that's something that I've been happy to see uh, because it, to me, we needed that piece to get forward and to, and to kind of change the, the trajectory of the season, which I don't think we've done yet. I think we've, uh, I think tonight was a really good result, but uh, that if I was looking to one building block, it would be that it would be Sifu 
is starting to create more. And then you can grab a guy like Moon as well, who's starting to to come good on the right side as well. Yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, Sifu started like what half the games at the start of the season at like the false nine, right? Or yeah, at the tip true. of the at the <laughs> tip of a four. That's true. That's true. At the top of a four four two diamond, right? So, yeah. you know, um, so again, maybe that's a comfort thing. And again, mm-hmm. is he is he a guy that? I think he just lacked confidence, right? He's a guy that I think when you watch, when you see the skills, when you see some of the stuff he does, I think all of it's it's all there to be put together into a package. The question is, what did he have the confidence to to do it, or was he going to kind of be a guy who's just going to defer to Rossi and Bella, which a lot of the guys do, right? You, yeah. you talk about it's like, you know, what what I think Moon does differently, and you know, maybe I, who knows how Carlos feels about this, right? Is a lot of times he. Carlos will come asking for the ball in those same positions that Tristan will normally feed him and then back off, right? Yeah. Moon will faint to give him that ball and they just go tearing down the edge, yeah, which yeah. again now opens up a different a whole different lane and a different move and different movement for Carlos. But at the same time, right, it's it's just that you know, it's that blind confidence that you kind of have to have, right? You have to have that confidence that if I go and do this that the guy behind me is going to step up defensively and take care yeah. of that spot, right? And I think whatever was going on when, when you know, with seafood, you know, maybe just positioning wise, having to play more, you know, centrally as opposed to out a little bit wider, um, you know, maybe that maybe that just change of scenery gives him a little bit more room to operate because he's looked great as a as a you know as an eight as mm-hmm. of late, you know, the last couple games even. Um, but not so much as, you know, a guy who's like a, you know, I don't think he's a true 10 for sure. Right. I think he's definitely more of like that box to box guy that's going to get up and down and do a bunch of different stuff. You know, sometimes not great at any one thing, but just good enough to to give you production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's comfortable, uh, both on the ball in tight spaces. He's comfortable on the ball, driving at defenders and then dishing and obviously comfortable shooting. And that's, again, not really something that we have. Atuesta is good on the ball in tight spaces and an excellent passer through any number of lines. Uh, Blessing is great in tight spaces. K, uh, he's got the most accurate long passes of anybody in the midfield. Um, He both passes, he makes more long passes and he's more accurate on them. Um, But, you know, Sifu seems to have a little bit of everything. And that's what you want from an eight, right? That's what you want from a true center midfielder is a little bit of everything so that you can go anywhere on the field and, and fill in. Um, so it's good to see that kind of blossoming. And I think that bodes well for LAFC in the future if they can if they can keep him on the field. Um, anything else you want to talk about here, Josh? Um, the goalie situation. One more time. Because yeah, well, then I am, the I'm all in on Thomas from, Romero uh, from Sigura. But yeah, go ahead. So take it away. No, I mean, I think again, we see we see Romero starting goal for the second game, third game, third game, third game in a row. Right? Obviously, the last outing didn't turn out so well. But I, I to me, I've seen enough to know from a shot stopping perspective. Obviously, I still think Pablo is slightly better. Yeah, his position you know, and feels like, a lot more and, solid. Yeah, I mean, like he just seems more sure of himself, right? But when it comes to playing the ball at his feet, mm-hmm. you know, he's miles ahead, 
Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you whether you know, like you just you just that he has that confidence when they pass that ball back to him to draw on the defender just a little bit longer. Whereas, you know, like I said, when when Cisnega is back there, it's the second that ball gets to him, it's being launched down the field, you know, as far yeah. as possible. Not only that, but his first touch is always in the right direction. So like he understands he's already looked at the field when that back pass is coming and he knows the right back is the option here because all the pressure is coming from the left. So that ball comes off of his right foot out on the diagonal towards the right back. So he's set up he, like he's already on his right foot, ready to pass away so he can take that extra half a second uh, mm-hmm. or two. Or when the to, right back passes it to him, he lets that ball run across his body and yeah, yeah, pl- lays yeah. it out with his left to the right. other side. I mean, again, it, he's not Ederson, right? For, you know, right, of course. But is, you know, because if he was, he wouldn't be here. But yeah. is he competent enough? Is he far more competent than Cisnega has been with his feet? Absolutely. And I think against these low block teams where we struggle to, to stress teams laterally, being able to switch the play through the back, you know, through your keeper is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like as long as we've had a show, we've been talking about goalkeeper controversies. <laughs> they always come in. I remember, you know, two years ago, it was uh, San Cisniega, right? Because he came in, made a penalty stop, made a bunch of great saves. And you start seeing memes of him uh, as a saint and, that you know, three weeks later, there's a change, and Miller comes back in, or whatever. And I, I feel like this position is just this revolving door. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm hesitant to stake my <laughs> to stake a claim on anybody, just because I I I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for. I have to assume it's somebody that can play with their feet and not get caught out like Vermeer and Miller would. Um, but I mean, Romero's had a couple a couple shaky moments where he's been caught out um, both with LAFC and with Vegas, but he's also young. It's not like, it's not like you're paying him a million dollars a year. Like you were for me or 800 grand a year, um, you know, for a veteran guy, like you were with Vermeer. This, I think he's 19. Is he 19? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's a young kid. So I feel like it's easier to write off his mistakes as he's a young kid <laughs> as opposed yeah. to, Nobody knows what Kenneth what is going through Kenneth Vermeer's head. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, he'll he'll get that opportunity to get used to the speed and the touch and the weight and all these different things. Because I think that that to me is the one thing that you feel unsure about him, right? Is that when that ball gets played into no man's land, right, where you just have to either make you have to make that decision to come out, know when to go, right, or know when to hold. He's yeah. still a bit iffy, which reminded me of Miller early in, when we first got him, right? That first season with Tyler yeah. Miller. How often was he caught in these weird positions where he's like, oh, why are you there? Or why didn't you go, you know? And for, unfortunately, right, I, you know, I think under normal circumstances, he probably could have worked some of those things, but then Zlatan broke him, right? Yeah. With that, yeah. with that, with that, you know, wonder goal that gets replayed on loop, right? right. And then right. next thing you know, Right then, then all confidence of knowing when you know of, of when to come out is all gone. Yeah. Right. And you know, I don't think that's probably going to happen anytime in the near future, with or you know, with anyone in the league. So yeah. you know, when you look at how things are, he, you know, is he going to have the chance to probably figure some of these things out on the fly, um, in terms of his timing and and decision making? Absolutely. You know, but 
you know, just from, you know, again, when you look at the, the, the nature of the majority of the teams in the league that we're going to face, right. That ability to play with your feet is crucial. And I think again, he just does it so much better than Cisniega does. And I think that's probably, you know, again, again, to back six, the way that, that, um, RSL were happy to just sink in there with both of those defensive midfielders just kind of sitting in between the center in, in between the lines. You know, it just gives you a little bit more space to work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's inviting pressure onto the ball and then launching it, you know, yeah. as opposed to just doing yeah. it immediately. All right. Should we have the uh, Brian Rodriguez conversation real quick before we get into listener questions? Let's do it. All right. So Rodriguez is done with Uruguay for the Copa America. Um, he's no longer on loan. He's stated publicly that he doesn't, you know, essentially to pen your role, hey, come get me type of thing. I'd like, I'd like to come back. I don't know how much of that is posturing. I have to assume some of it is genuine. Uh, but I think it's time that LAFC puts their arms around this kid and says, hey, you're our guy. And Rossi's almost gone. And I think that's a big part of this problem is they had to have told him that Rossi was on the way out and that he was going to be the guy in the left wing. And then uh, Rossi wasn't gone and Rodriguez didn't outperform him. So he got essentially benched. And like an immature child, he acted out and demanded a transfer and none of those, you know, the, the loan didn't end up working out. Um, so I think it's on JT and Bob at this point to help bring this kid along. And to their credit, they've done this with several players already. Guys like Latif Blessing and Mark, and Mark Anthony Kay were both kind of on the scrap heap. Um, and they turned them into two components in one of the best midfields the league's ever seen back in 2019. So... They can do it with Rodriguez as well, but I think it's going to take some significant leadership from them. And I also think, you know, they're going to have to sell Rossi if he's ever really going to feel welcome. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know, you know, like having to sell who is your second best player, third best player, maybe depending on where you rank at the West Huff. But um, I think you have to sell Rossi no matter what in this window. And that opens the slot for Rodriguez. So to me, that's the way forward. Um, and then you, you kind of nurture him along for a year or two and then send him on his way. Once, once you can have you, once you can help him have a little bit of success, but what do you think? I mean, I think everyone has to do a lot of soul searching in that situation. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, I think from a front office perspective, there has to be an understanding that you can't, you can't bring in a guy who has expectations when, yeah. you know, with with the way, you know, and and not play him in his best position, you know, because you're because you have an enemy because you're trying to hold out for more from your other guy. Right. 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 Um, and again, I think that the front office painted the push themselves into a into a corner here because I think if they probably move, you know, because what you invested a million dollars in the Rossi. Think so right. yeah maybe 1.5 and the question is are you did you get greedy waiting for 25 when you could have taken 16 mm-hmm. 
You know, like again, I mean, to me, Rosie is probably worth twenty to twenty-five, right? In that Miguel Almiron range, he's like produced. You know, his production is fairly similar. Yeah, but you can't make that move to bring in Rodriguez until until you have something set up, right? Yeah, right. Right. You know, because if you're gonna, you know, what you probably should have done at that point, right, with that open with the Orta slot that opened up, right, was either sign another midfielder. Or sign a nine, and mm-hmm. again at the time the nine was crowded because Dio was playing well, so you couldn't quite make that move. But then yeah. to not sell Rossi on top of having that crowded front line, again like you blow up all chemistry, any kind of chemistry that you probably would that was already there, right? By mm-hmm. making that move, and you can see the ramifications, right? Because, um, you know, again with everything that happened with Rodriguez, you have Dio leaving, you know, and. You know, from what we've heard, it wasn't there. Some of that there was a little bit of conflict and stuff that that was going on, right? As it pertained to how the, as it pertained to how the, the speculative prospects are treated. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I mean, term, you know, let me. Uh, I'll expound on that a little bit. Instead of bringing it in, bringing somebody in that fit the team that we planned on having. I mean, if you knew you weren't going to sell Rossi. And you went out and signed another young left winger. That's a problem. Like that's a big problem to me. Is and like you said, you have Dio there in the center. Don't spend money there, even if you do have like this, this thing. This this you want to have this culture of bringing in a bunch of wingers and having them play these interchangeable front three, and you feel like that's a um, an undervalued position. You know here in the States and then overseas is overvalued. So you can make a lot of money when you sell them on, but then you start bringing on Rodriguez for Dio. So now you've done essentially to Dio what you did to Rodriguez because of Rossi. To me, that's, that's like, you have to have, you have to be a little bit more realistic about the pieces on the field. Um, And I I have no reason to believe that they haven't learned a a lesson from that. I, I think, I think the, the next big signings will reflect that. Um, the only reason, the only thing that would keep me from believing that is the only rumor that I've seen, like the only legitimate rumor that I've seen from LAFC, and this has been reported in a couple different outlets in Mexico, and then uh, apparently he was like putting it up on his Instagram stories. Uh, Bruce L. Mesmari, is that his name, right? Yeah. From Mexico. He's like an 18, 19-year-old winger. Uh who so makes Latif look like a giant? Yeah, he's only five three. We we just love small players. I think that must be something that they that they actually build into their profile. Like we've realized that there's a there's like a market inefficiency with smaller players. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all if they were like we can get a five nine winger for five hundred grand, or we can get a five three winger for one hundred fifty grand. But their quality is the same. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, if if you can, if you can, if you can put a filter on that on a dating app, you can figure that out in the transfer market. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So I mean, I I I don't know much about him. I know he's played with the with the Mexican youth national team a lot, um, but I don't think he has a whole lot of professional minutes. 
So I don't know if he's a guy that you're going to bring in as a DP or, you know, you get him on another uh, Janela Cifuentes Palacios deal, which seems more likely to me. So there might not be the expectation that he comes in and starts right away. But um, Rodriguez is going to have competition still at that left wing spot when he comes back. So all of this is to say, I, I, I really hope they don't overcrowd that spot again and that as we keep saying that they find a poaching presence and you saw what a poaching presence did tonight against RSL with Sifu making that late run into the box. But again, that took Segura making a, a run up the right half space from left center back and Sifuentes getting at, getting to the spot. So, um, man, I, I do think they they're gonna they're going to correct this in the long term, and I also think that they have to be looking at Carlos Vela's contract and thinking we might need some more wingers in the next year and a half. So I guess yeah. we'll find out. I mean, out. I mean, again, you're you're in a weird situation because obviously Vela's aging, and again, you you have to make that decision like every team does. You know, is when. Do we do we move on to the next generation or do we continue to build from here? Right? Like yeah. every franchise faces this faces this, you know, this moment. You know, and I say franchise because it's only the salary cap leaves that really deal with most of these things. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but um, you know, where you have to make that monetary decision where is it is is the goodwill worth paying for or or are you going to you know hit that re- that rebuild button sooner or build it from within the way that you know the San Antonio Spurs have always done over the years, right? Where they seemingly finding that next piece to carry on the system, right? Which is probably what I'm sh- I'm assuming the team is aiming to do, but obviously it's easier said than done because we've seen you know however many teams try to move on from a generational talent and ultimately end up you know in the front of, at the top of the uh, top of the lottery. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, an NFL analogy does work here because you have to look at your time with Carlos, a healthy Carlos, as a bit of like a, a Super Bowl window. Like once you get your franchise QB and he's on a and he's on a rookie deal, that's your Super Bowl window, right? Russell Wilson is outperforming what you expect as a young quarterback on his first contract. So you extend him uh, early to keep the to keep his salary hit low, and then you put as many pieces around him as possible for two or three years, and that's when you go out and, and challenge for it. And I think that's where LAFC is right now. They're in that window, even though they've kind of failed to put all the pieces around Carlos uh, this year, it seems. And the the question then becomes, like you said, when do you hit that button? Um, and to be fair, I don't. I don't want to hit that button right now. I would love for them to option him next year, uh, and then maybe try and transfer him in the summer. I guess if he's not going to resign. Um, but I mean, I think he's still got good years uh, ahead of him. What is he? Thirty two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so thirty two, thirty three, some of that. Still got you know two, maybe three years where he can have a, a significant impact, and maybe doesn't need. Uh, his minutes managed too closely, but um, it is something to think about as we, as we move forward, especially as it relates to Brian and, and the new signings. But anyway, we came here to talk about a win. So let's talk about positive things, Josh. 
Um, anything else before we get into questions? Let's do it. All right. I think we actually have quite a few here, so it might take us a little while. John T. Lang at John Lang PhD. I love the win and happy we could grind out a result. I want to be optimistic, but it feels like we only got points because of a specula- uh, spectacular save by Romero and an equally spectacular clearance by Segura. Oh, we forgot to get to that clearance, but here it is. Will these moments equal a pivot point in the season or just a blip? Josh? If this game's at home, I'm probably less optimistic than I am about after this one. Mm. But anytime you go on the road and get a win, even if it requires some shenanigans and some weird stuff yeah. and some, you know, some some heroics to get it done, right? Like again, the win, think back to the Mohamed Elmanir save at the at the goal line, right? Like we didn't we at that time obviously we're winning a lot more, but we didn't you're not thinking about that save in the same context of or we're not thinking about the result at Houston at that time the way we are now, right? Because everything was positive at the time. You're keeping the ball rolling at that point versus here, right? We're trying to, we're just trying to start, get get things mm-hmm. started. And road wins often do that for you, right? Going into someone else's house, regardless of the team, because again, it, it, it just does something from a mental standpoint. Um, and from a confidence standpoint, and especially with a team that's full of young guys, right? That, that, are full of talent, but probably just need a little bit more of that of that edge to be able to think. Oh no, I can I can I can do this here. If we can go go into someone else's house and get a dub, right? It bodes well going forward. Again, yeah. I think to me that's the biggest d- distinction is just because it was on the road, I'm going to weight it a little bit heavier than it had been at home. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the things that so we've we've talked about it. It's been talked about nationally. Um, they've dropped 10 out of 12 points from winning position. Um, so, I mean, that's that's not good. That's really bad. Um, so being able to, like you said, go on the road, score a, a goal around the 70th minute, and then ice the game for 20 minutes, that's a big accomplishment, especially in somebody else's house. So I, I do think they're going to be able to take something from this. Um, a lot of those pieces are going to be able to start on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it, it's Austin, right? They play at Austin, I think. Yeah, at Austin, um, which it's a travesty. That's not a that's not a like a prime time game. Yeah, I mean, they, not only did they look good this weekend, but the you know atmosphere is great. So uh, Austin's got something special going on. Uh, and they, now that they're finally scoring goals at home, I should say. Um, but I do think it's something that you can build on. And like I said, most of those pieces are going to be available to you um, in the next week. And I mean, you might even, you might even see Brian come back and get some run um, because I, I don't think a, a front three of Rossi Rodriguez and Vela is uh, any worse than a front three of Rossi Baird and Vela. I, I think that's a better front three, even like despite our, our protests of like, Hey, that's too many wingers. And none of them are really ever in their true position, but okay. Um, next one, Justin 33 W at Justin 33 W. Imagine being Carlos. The game is in need of a change. You look over and your nine is coming off for Raheem Edwards who went ahead and blasted the ball toward uh, the nearest defender on three consecutive possessions. 
how is he how is he getting time ahead of Duke or Janella? I did notice that like a couple of times he'd pick up the ball in the midfield and it was just like I I don't know if it's a shot or if he's just trying to play blind balls through if he feels like he's under pressure. I don't know. Um I, I, I mean, Janella Janella's the mystery to me. I can say maybe you need Duke to go extra minutes against Austin, but I, I'm not really sure. Josh? I mean, I think I think Edwards probably gets in there because at that point, right, you're trying to say I you're trying to save Vela's legs. Right. If you know Vela's going ninety, you need a guy that's probably gonna play more of a true winger position and that's gonna press. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, after sixty minutes, you're not going to get much defensively. I mean, again, I was a little bit surprised when Vela got into and picked up that ball off off. I think yeah. it was off like yeah. a a dead ball or something like that, mm-hmm. right? But generally speaking, right, you're not even even at the start of the game, you don't get a ton from Vela off the press, right? But yeah. in those moments, probably you're you're likely just trying to save his legs for the last couple of minutes, so you don't want a guy that's going to put him out of position when he pushes forward. Right, so what Edwards does in that position is just basically function as a true winger that just stays at home, um, and and yeah. allows Vela to just hang out and and recoup his energy in that right. moment. And again, it it'll and again, is it ideal? No, right. Do we prefer to have you know another guy who's more of a game changer coming off the bench? Absolutely. But in that particular moment, I think it's a purely tactical sub to make sure that Vela has enough gas to get to ninety. Yeah. The other part of that, it was a double sub as well. Is you have Sifu coming on for K, who again had been playing a lot of the six. So you push Atuesta back. He's now in you know one of the, uh, the he's playing in one of the attacking mid roles. Um, Edwards, what honestly, like you said, wasn't that involved. They're not giving him the ball much, and I think he's just there to hold his position and kind of eat space. Um, but I, do I mean, he's a former that. right back, right? Edwards, he's played right. I think he's kind yeah. of always been like a utility man, kind of all over the place. Yeah, but. I mean, again, to me, he's a guy that you know. Again, he's a veteran in the league. He's been around for a while. He knows. He understands that positioning of where. And again, he's not going to get caught out, right? And I think that's the one that you saw when when he was in there. Did you really ever feel he was out of position? So I almost tweeted during the game, like I don't know where Edwards is because he's not involved. Like I. I kept looking yeah. on the field like I don't know where he's playing because he hasn't touched the ball. And like, you know, sometimes yeah. with the high camera angles, you can't always tell everybody apart if you don't know that player really well. It felt like they just but, went into like a 4-4-2 at that point. Mm, like, a, like a true 4-4-2. And Edwards is just hanging out on that kind of left midfield region. You know, because every time the ball seemed to kind of float back out there, he just seemed to be on it. He'd just check it back. You know, just yeah, stop it yeah. and then move it back forward again. So hmm. I, he wasn't getting down to the touchline. He's not really pushing forward. Um, and again, when when you see, I think on, on a couple of the offensive attacks, it's the midfielders, it's Sifu, it's it's Blessing pushing forward. And then you have Edwards kind of sitting deep with Atuesta. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's not really getting getting down the field on any of the attacks there. So I think, again, he's there mainly just to provide stability there from a defensive perspective. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have this next one. Uh, you and I talked about it before the show. I I don't know how to handle this one because I don't think I'm going to deliver it the right way. I think I know what this person is doing. Um, 
based on some of the their other tweets that I've seen. Um, but I don't, I don't want to. No, I would just I go, let's just talk about the let's just talk the context let's, of it. Yeah, rather than. So, um, I guess let's start with this. You and I have been critical of K's performances, both, you know, last year and this year. Um, we've also talked about the fact that he's doing exactly what you need him to do. Um, at the, at the con, you know, the number that he's at with his contract, he is, he's outperforming that contract. He gives you good, solid minutes. Uh, he's a, he's a, you know, an average to above average presence in the midfield. He's going to win you some things and he's going to lose you some things and that's okay. Um, I feel like he gets way more hate than he deserves. Um, based on a couple of things that we've seen with like, uh, you know, bad giveaways that turn into goals or, um, there is a lot of, you know, a lot of people harp on him for his effort. I do think it's a little weird that people, um, it's like all day, every day talking about this one player because LAFC's problems this year are bigger than just Mark Anthony K in the midfield. Uh, there are problems with Latif Blessing. There are problems with Tristan Blackman. There are problems with Diego Palacios. There are problems with Corey Bear. There are problems with Carlos Vela, for that matter. Um, it's not just Mark Anthony K. And so many people online have zeroed in on him as the guy that's bringing it all down. So this tweet, I, I'm 100% certain, uh, is a sarcastic quip about, you know, really letting him have it for once. Um, and I, I do think that it makes a good point that a lot of this criticism is is unwarranted in like its specificity towards, towards K. Because again, the whole team has failed this year um, so many times. And it's it's not just him, but Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in in moments he's been the focus of our ire, mm-hmm. but again, I think if if we're if we're coming down to him being the one, like if 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 what he does on the field is the if you think that's the only reason why we're losing, man, are you know what are we watching? Right, yeah. like, I, I mean, in some ways, you almost wish it was that easy, right? There's just mm-hmm. one guy, and he's the weak link, and we just have to we just assign Ross Barkley, and we'll be amazing, right? We'll win the Club yeah. World Cup. Like that's not the case, though. There, there are bigger problems than just this. Yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 been easy to to scapegoat him because you know, again, he's had some bad moments, um, you know, and a couple bad games for that matter, um, and so, but I think that it's it's always been a point for us to always call people out when they do things, you know, when they, when we think they've made a mistake and then give them that same amount of praise when they do something right. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit back and defend someone just because I like that player or whatever it may be. Right. We're, you know, we're here. I think the goal of our podcast always has just been to call balls and strikes from a tactical Mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. And again, so that to me, that's, that's where I land on it. Right. It's like, I'm just going to do that. I think, again, I think the, the biggest issue has always been roster construction, at least this year, um, and even past years, to be fair, right? And, um, or at least the last two where things have kind of, you know, fallen apart at the seams. But I think 
yeah, like I said, for to to let it go down to that, you know, not not where I land, not where where we land as a podcast, but you know, again, they, unfortunately, that's where where it it's gone. Yeah, you know, and and some of the, I mean, people may have misunderstood us as well. That's that's perfectly like that is that could be it. Like we just weren't clear. I may not have been exactly clear on what I was trying to articulate. And, and if that's the case, then not only do I like, I'm sorry for not being articulate enough, but like, that's, that's a place that I probably need to get better. Um, but in regards to Mark Anthony K today, I do think, I don't know what the original decision was. I'm playing him at the six, especially after the half. Um, but uh, to us, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, we kind of talked about it at the, at the beginning of the season. Like, what if we can push Atuesta further up and now he's that creative presence and it's never really worked out the way that we thought it would. Um, and today, as soon as you see Sifu come on and that pushes Atuesta back into his natural position, the, the midfield started to look more cohesive again. Um, so I, I don't think that's a Mark Anthony K thing. I think that's a that it's a three man midfield. So it, in that case, it takes three to tango. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it, chemistry it, happened to be better, uh, especially tonight. And you end up with the goal as a result, but yeah. I see you laugh. To me, I mean, it, it really goes back to it, it. It being a factor of the roster build. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if, if that, if that, you know, why are we having to slide Atuesta up? Right, like right. that it's, really is the question. It's like yeah, if you don't, you exactly. know, like it, it's not Kay's fault that we don't have a ten that can create when the front mm-hmm. three aren't clicking, right? Or mm-hmm. is it? It's not Kay's fault that, that we don't no have a striker that needs perfect service, right? Absolutely, right. You know, like like let go back not that long ago, and a ball that Kay hits that doesn't need to be perfect finds the feet of Dio because Dio can just throw people around. Yeah. Right. And like exactly. he's just that physical of a guy. Like you don't have to be perfect the way that he, he's needed to be this year with the type of guys that we have on the field. Right. And so to that's me, the thing about teams, right, is that you, you cover up each other's warts. Like mm-hmm. that's what makes a team good. Right. Yeah. I mean, for, for all, for as much praise as we've lumped, as we've, we've, you know, thrown onto Moon, right? Like is he the greatest defender in the world? No. Does he get caught out yeah. of position bombing down the field a lot? Sure. But, you know, he has Latif behind him. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he's fine because you know Latif's gonna clean everything up. And then same thing on the left hand side, you know, I mean for for far for Farfan. But again, like to me, like I said, I think the ire often falls to him because he's tasked with doing things that again, is that his best quality and skill? Probably not. Right? Is he good at specific things? Absolutely. But again, to now lump the the majority of the ire onto him because the roster isn't constructed in a place where we can bring a Lee off the bench to now hit that exact same pass. Mm-hmm. You know, not I again. I I can't. I can't, That's not on K. That's on JT. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, so I, I do I do appreciate um that tweet. There there are some replies to it that. Uh, I don't know if any if everybody else is in on the on the on the irony um, with which that tweet is laden, but I do appreciate being able to talk about that and kind of uh, clarify a little bit. Um, 
hopefully we've we've done a little bit of good with with that explainer. Um, oh, come on now. I can't go to this next one right now. We're going to have to come back to that. Uh, donuts at Steely Zidane. It's Thomas Romero's job to lose three starts, two clean sheets, three clean sheets. If you count the shutout before Blackman's red card versus ASKC, Kid has been fantastic. Uh, we kind of talked about this, and Josh, you called it, so I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, you can if if his shot stopping is eighty percent of what we get from Cisnega, but he can play with his feet. I'm good with it, right? Like it's more than we've gotten from any of the other keepers before. Yeah. And I think from a decision making standpoint, in terms of getting caught in some of these weird positions, like on the on the Segura save, right, and some of these other things, like he'll figure out the angle as time you know he'll he'll get better at figuring out those angles in in real time obviously you don't want to have to have a guy that learns on the fly like that it's probably not an ideal scenario but it's the card we're dealt with right like Mm -hmm. you know again your goalkeepers are off you know players in general right yeah it's next man up who's ready who's ready to take the take the job and and to perform when it's necessary i mean look at you know ethan horvath right like would have thought, yeah. you know, when Zach Steffen goes down, you're like, you don't expect him to make the biggest save of his life in that particular moment to win the game, right? So, yeah, you know, it's again, like, you just, are you, when the time comes, can you perform? And he's, so far, he's done it. And again, and some of the things that I think LAFC want to do flow much better with him in, in net versus, versus Cisnega. I mean, if you, if you truly want to be a possession team, it's a must. It's a must to have a keeper that can do what he does with his feet. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I had a lot of fun watching David Ochoa tonight um, because the like he is so confident and he obviously got caught trying to be a little bit too cute in the Olympics. But the way that he'll lift a ball over an on-rushing attacker to a fullback out wide on the wing and just like perfectly place it on their chest is something to envy in terms of a keeper that can that can pass well. Um, so I mean, it's also right. probably why the press wasn't as effective as you thought it, you know, as it usually in yeah. normally would be, right? Is if you have a keeper that can pass like that, it's really hard to now, you know, you're you're in, you're going to find yourself chasing more than you are pre- closing down. Right, right. Okay, next one from Jeff Bamaka at Jeff Bamaka. Some of the things I enjoy from Moon Juan are his ball progression in tight spaces and his ability to attack the box. We kind of talked about this. We talked about this, especially as him, uh, you know, regarding him as a wingback, as a guy who can actually be part of a front four and get into the box and he's going to be dangerous. And not just shooting, but also setting other people up. I mean, he's he's been fun to watch. I, I don't know that there's been anybody else on the field as fun as him. I mean, even when he gets clipped by, I think, Justin Glad, who is another guy that I just don't understand why he keeps getting pushed on USMNT Twitter. Um, I mean, that place is a disaster zone as much as most of Twitter is anyways. But um, he gets clipped by Justin Glad, uh, goes down, RSL starts booing because LAFC players have made a complete meal of so many non-fouls already. And then he pounds the ground, gets up, and is ready to fight. Like to me, that like that's just fun. Like he's a fun player to see uh, for so many different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a guy jump off. He like jumps off the screen when he yes. when he does stuff. Hundred percent, right? And 
again, I mean, the last time you probably see it was early Rosie, right? Where you're like, yeah, when he, he so. explodes, you know, I mean, the way that he just kind of like, get, looks like he got shot out of a cannon. It's the same yeah. thing. You know, I mean, you kind of get that same Atuesta feeling. stands out as somebody with like higher quality, but it's not the same. It's not the same explosiveness. It's more the Sergio Busquets, right? Just these clever mm-hmm. touches and turns. But I think you are right. Like he jumps off the screen in a different uh, it's, way. It's, it's, a, it's the smoothness versus like from Atuesta. It's like you, you're in awe of how smooth he, how easy he makes everything yeah. look. Yeah. versus moon is like this frantic pace that you just can't take your eyes off of. Yeah. But it's also, it's like frantic. I mean, it's kind of like blessing in a lot of ways, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's this high speed, high energy, uh, plays a little bit more within himself than blessing, I would say, but, um, still fun. All right. Next one from LAFC, Kansas, Midwestern supporters. Sifu was a starter, not a sub. Uh, and I think, I think we agree. I think we've covered it in, Tonight's show, I think we've covered it in other shows as well. Um, I think you're you're trying to get minutes out of K tonight before he goes to the Gold Cup, save some legs for uh, for Austin midweek. But I, I do agree that he's he's definitely made uh, made his presence known, and he's made a case to be the guy in the midfield. Anything on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think he, if you don't have that. If if you're not planning on K leaving for Gold Cup and then also having a midweek game, he probably you're, I mean, I think you would probably expected him to start rather than what yeah. happened. Yeah. Right. If like on a normal dragged out schedule that's not congested, he's you know, he's probably not coming out of the eleven for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um last one is from LAFC Dark Knight at Dark Knight. Um K sub was the game changer and it's hard to it's hard to argue with that when Sifu comes in for K and scores the game winner um I think it had as much to do with uh being able to put Atuesta in his in the right spot for him as it did with K coming off uh and Sifu makes that the right run um you know everything everything just clicks a little bit neater um after you know after the last 25 minutes or so of the game but um, anything else there, Josh? No, I mean, I think you're right spot on there. All right. Well, um, we will talk to you all next week. Uh, I think my family and I might be at the lake. Josh, you might have to fly on your own next week. I'll keep in touch with you, but one way or another, there will be a counter press episode next week to talk about Austin and then RSL again. I, is it Saturday or Sunday? Do you remember? I think it's Sunday. Okay. But I'm next Sunday against sure. RSL at home. Uh, also, shout out one last time to the 3252 or you know whoever it was that traveled. I guess they're all the 3252, right? We all are. Um, excellent, excellent support there. That's all I heard the entire broadcast, aside from Nick Romando, was uh, was the LFC supporters that were that were at the game. So great work. We will talk to you all next week.